Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at pctytalks at paylocity.com. On today's episode, I've asked our Director of Government Relations, Corinne Tyrone, to join us again to talk about some state-specific legislation updates related to coronavirus. Corinne, we are back today to talk about some legislation changes related to COVID-19 at the state level. So we did cover a federal episode, but really appreciate you spending some more time with me to dig into some of the state changes that we're seeing. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always love chatting with you. Thanks. I, I want to start with taxes. So we learned at the federal level that they are moving the filing and payment dates to July 15th. Are you seeing any changes at the state level when it comes to taxes? You know what? Yeah. Um, actually, we're seeing re- a really similar kind of tactic being implemented by several states. I anticipate we'll see even more of that as um, as legislatures and governors kind of respond. So, for example, um, California, they kind of they kind of got hit early on, you know, so they've started to see the impact of this virus a little bit earlier than many other states. So they've already said that they're doing a filing extension for 60 days um, from March 4th. So in order to get a filing extension and a payment extension in California, you do have to submit a a written request for waiver, um, but they will automatically grant it if you've done that. So uh, they're they're basically kind of trying to provide the same relief that the IRS is granting in terms of keeping that money in uh, taxpayers' hands a little bit longer while we kind of ride out um, this virus. So California has already done this, Louisiana, Maryland, South Carolina. um, There are a handful of states kind of just beginning to do this now. I imagine, like I said, we're going to be seeing um, many more of these pop up over the next couple of weeks because we're just about to hit a filing deadline. What is the best way for people to stay informed for their state to know if these extensions have been put in place? So there are a couple of things that I would recommend. So first of all, um, Pilosity is always watching this. And if you have access to Peak or if you are watching that uh, coronavirus preparedness kit that we've, we've shared publicly, we are including this information there. Um, another place that you, you can and should be watching this is um, – through your own local government. So many of these agencies will send out email blasts if anything, you know, important has changed. So you will get an email from them right away, basically saying there's an extension um, available to you here. I really like that you mentioned the coronavirus preparedness kit that we have put together. That is something that is public facing. So I will make sure to include that in the show notes for anybody that wants to access it. There's a lot of great information on there about legislation changes, but also just the practice of HR and how you can manage that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of valuable content in that kit and we are updating it all the time. So as I mentioned, I think we're going to see a lot of states um, implementing new new filing deadlines in the, in the wake of what's happening right now. Um, as we're seeing those changes, we are making them in real time to that, that kit so that you have the most up-to-date information possible. Wonderful. So along with state extensions with taxes. 
we're seeing some legislation come out for paid leave also at the state level. How have you seen that be brought to life, different from what's happening at the federal level? Yeah, so it's kind of um, it's kind of been interesting to watch this unfold. So first of all, we are seeing some states that already have paid sick leave simply expand the coverage of their paid sick leave to include preventative care or um, quarantine if needed. So for example, California is doing that as well as some localities like San Francisco. They've more more or less just updated an existing paid sick leave uh, requirement to encompass coronavirus. We're also seeing um, some specific bills. So for example, Colorado put out an emergency paid sick leave bill that requires a temporary paid sick leave and additional support and wage replacement. It is uh, four days of sick time if you need to be tested for coronavirus. So the idea is simply like, if you think you're, if you think you're sick and you think you shouldn't be coming to work because you need to get tested for this incredibly contagious illness, go take that time and it's on us. <laughs> so, um, so we're seeing kind of a, a couple of different tactics here. Um, I will also note that we've seen a handful of states present bills for new paid sick leave, but they've more or less stopped there as they've watched to see what the federal will, what the federal government will do. So Kentucky and Ohio, for example. Uh, put bills out in order to create this emergency paid sick leave. But those bills, it seems like more or less have stopped moving while the states watched to see what the federal government would do. They haven't been picked back up yet, uh, but, you know, they may or may not, um, they may or may not come back to life as Ohio and Kentucky start to see more cases. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know that jurisdictions are, are starting to issue what is called shelter in place orders. And it's interesting because we're seeing that, in, obviously, in California, but here in Illinois, we're starting to see that, too. How does that, how does that work? What are the parameters when, you know, your location has said, okay, it's time to shelter in place? Yeah, that's, this is an interesting one because, you know, really before the coronavirus um, outbreak, we haven't really seen a lot of shelter in place. So this is something that we're, we're kind of um, – learning alongside all of you. And, and what it means basically is you need to stay in your home unless it's necessary for you to leave. And there um, is some model language that we're seeing kind of applied across many of these orders to define what that means. So uh, generally speaking, what we're seeing is that you may leave for essential functions, such as um, going to the grocery store or seeking medical care. So if you're sick and you need to go to the doctor, then you can leave your house to go to the doctor. But you can't leave your house to um, go hang out with your friends at a bar. So it, it just is kind of a, a way of putting a regulation around keep keep to yourself and use your best judgment here. Um, there are some carve outs for essential businesses and essential business functions. So one of the things that I think our clients will be really interested in is that many of these specifically carve out functions like payroll processing. So we, you know, we understand that something, you know, something terrible is happening and we all need to stay in place, but we also understand that in a, a, in alignment with that, physical wellness that we are all concerned with, we also need to be concerned with our people's financial wellness. So we need to make sure that paychecks are still getting into their hands during this time so that things don't, you know, go from bad to worse. So those are some of the, generally speaking, some of the um, broad strokes of what these orders mean and what is carved out from them. 
Have you have you seen or is there other regulation that helps define those um, necessary companies that can stay basically open? Obviously, grocery stores, doctors' offices, payroll companies. I have seen some some small businesses trying to figure out, you know, am I essential or am I not? Mm-hmm. And is there specific criteria? Or are we still trying to figure that out? Yeah, so that's a really a really great question. There are two ways for you to determine whether or not your business is considered essential. So the first thing I would always point you to is to look at the order itself. So San Francisco has a really great example of um, uh, one of these orders. It's very robust and it has a lot of uh, very specific language about what are considered essential activities and what are considered essential businesses. Uh, Fun fact, one of the essential activities in the San Francisco order is hiking. So you're allowed to leave your house to go hiking, but you have to stay six feet away from all the other. I love that. I love that. I know. know. I loved it too, actually. When I was reading it, I had a little little chuckle there. Um, Now, outside of that, some of the orders are a little bit less robust. So kind of like conversely to the San Francisco one, California as a state also issued an order and theirs is much shorter and more or less points you to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's website, which tells you um, which which functions are considered essential critical infrastructure. So there are a handful of specific industries carved out here. There are 16 of them, things like um, banking or uh, information technology, financial services. They're specifically carved out as essential on under this um, document. So Sherry, I can send this to you so that you can link it in the show notes. That will be relatively helpful in guiding how you think about your business through this framework. Um, from there, I think those are those are really your best resources to, to whether or not your business would be considered essential. That's really interesting. I, you know, I, I think everybody's just trying to figure out what, what the new landscape looks like for a little bit. And mm-hmm. states are definitely trying to provide what they can and align with the federal changes that are coming. Any last minute thoughts or recommendations as we think about state level changes that A, our listeners should either be abreast of um, that you know could be coming down the road soon or resources um, that they should be looking at or, or things they should be thinking of for their employees? Yeah, you know, I think that's um, one thing we didn't really touch on is um, unemployment insurance. So as as we move through this, we are kind of seeing, um, you know, a higher incidence of layoffs, for example. Um, and we, we are also seeing kind of co- correlating to that, that state unemployment insurance um, organizations are making some changes to how they're functioning. So, for example, some states are waiving the one week waiting period. Um, some states are expanding coverage or expanding um expanding your possible partial claims, things like that. So one resource that I think can be really helpful if, um, you know, your organization is going through something like that is uh, NASWA. They have a really, a really robust page of state requirements um, that are related specifically to this. So I can send you a link to that as well, Sherry, to include in the show notes. Um, and other than that, I think, you know, we're we're all kind of seeing this unfold in real time. So as things change, um, if we start to see anything trending, we can 
certainly create another podcast on this. Um, in the meantime, I would definitely stay close to PEAK and to the coronavirus uh, preparedness kit because we are updating resources there um, in real time as well. So there's a lot of good content being generated every day to kind of keep you up to date on, on what you need to know from a regulatory perspective to keep your business running. You know, something that you said gave me um, gave me another question I wanted to ask you. Um, one I haven't prepared you for, so you may or may not have an answer. You know, there are a particular group of um, people who are listed as high risk. Um, not that coronavirus can't affect everybody, but that there's this high risk category. For those people in a high risk category that their companies have not laid them off, but they're concerned about going into the office. Have you seen any changes related to unemployment in that category? Um, I I haven't seen any changes in terms of unemployment in that category. I I would say though, um, this is a this is a national emergency. So if you're a high risk individual and you are concerned about going into the office, I I think that what I would do is open a conversation with your direct manager or your employer and say, you know, this is my concern. Are there any accommodations that can be made here? Because really, you know, your your boss can't manage what they don't know. And if they don't know that this is something that you're concerned about, or if they don't know that you have any risk, you know, um, because all of the reasons that you might be high risk are not obvious from just looking at you necessarily. Um, so if that's something that you know, you're comfortable having a conversation about, I would start there. Yeah, that's really good advice. Well, Corinne, thanks again for spending some time with me. I'm sure we'll produce some more information in the coming weeks here. So um, to our listeners, definitely stay close as we, as we put out new episodes. And uh, we'll talk again to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.